0: Sometimes the things you enjoyed when you were younger are harder to find once you become an adult. To some, the solution is to make those things a reality again. This week, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk to Zach Peru, creator of Animon Story. We talk about nostalgic influences, freelance work, and building something for yourself. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover projects you may not have heard of. Today, I am joined by Zach, the creator of Animon Stories, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Zach, thank you so much for coming on to the show.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. Well, thanks for asking me to come on and have a chat. Yeah, very
0: happy to be here. (laughs) I'm going to be honest, I was super excited when I saw this animon harkens back to so many nostalgic childhood moments for me mm. and i'm actually talking to some friends i think we're going to be trying to set up a game this week actually so that's awesome yeah i'm i love to hear from people who have played the
1: game you know that's still quite a new um sensation for me so i very much enjoy hearing about people playing it um so yeah be, be uh be very
0: excited to hear how that goes no, oh, I'll definitely let you know. But before we hop really heavy into Animon here, Zach, can you tell everybody in the audience a little bit about yourself, please?
1: Absolutely. Um, my name is Zach Baru. I am a uh, a writer and t- now TTRPG uh, designer. I've been working sort of on in the industry for a few years. An Animon story is the the big new release um which is my first sort of proper solo release but yeah i've i've uh i've been writing for uh for quite a few years now it's really become something of a uh a, a passion of mine um and i've yeah just very happy <laughs> to be now sort of getting more involved with the online uh, community around indie games especially and um, it's been
0: a very exciting time, <laughs> yeah It's been super exciting to watch. I, I've loved seeing it too. Just people are really excited about this game too, so that's really great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been delighted with the reception. Uh, as I said, I, over the past sort of um, few years I've written freelance for for uh, various games, but being able to kind of put myself forward and directly engage with people in a different way uh, has been absolutely brilliant. And I've had a very, very lovely reception within the sort of tabletop, uh, community as well. And it's just been fantastic so far. So yeah. Um, and, and it's been an opportunity to also do things like this, which is very exciting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you're excited to be on. So can you tell us a little bit about what is Animon Story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Animon Story is, uh tabletop role-playing game, first and foremost, although I suppose that's um, probably assumed with lots of the things uh, on here, but (laughs) specifically, it is a game about kids and their monster friends, um, and really drawing from lots of those classic, uh, beloved games and anime, sort of from the the 90s onwards, Pokemon, uh, Digimon, and... The sort of uh, rest of those games and shows that um, fall somewhere in that kind of umbrella where you have kids usually as the the protagonists and you have all sorts of varied and colorful monsters that they team up with. Um, So yeah, anyone who has watched those things or played those games as a kid or as they've grown up hopefully have a pretty strong idea of of the that kind of genre because it's uh, absolutely that's what it's going for and one story sort of bringing that to tabletop in a authentic way i'd say
0: yeah i'd say it really nails that feeling to be honest it there's something about it that's to me it's super nostalgic but it's also really welcoming to people who may not have interacted with those shows growing up or people who are are new to tabletop role-playing games was this like a tricky thing that was hard to balance? Was that feeling of nostalgia versus being open to people who aren't familiar with the genre?
1: Yeah, that is one of the things about the game, to be honest, that that kind of changed the most throughout development. Very early on, it was a very small project. I mean, literally, the first draft of Animon's story was four pages on... on um, microsoft word or whatever you know it was like four four word document pages long wow um yeah and it was a very different game and it was basically for um a fan game for these sorts of things right i wanted to play these sorts of games um with my friends who also are really into pokemon and digimon and all those sort of things So it started very much from that kind of nostalgic angle of trying to provide a way to play games focused on those things that myself being um, 27 as of this week. um, Oh, wow. Happy birthday. Thanks very much. I watched sort of as I was a kid, grew up with all those sort of things. I I still play those kinds of games today and watch those kinds of anime and, and stuff. So it started very much from that nostalgic angle and shifted gradually as it developed and became a more developed kind of idea and more developed project overall. It shifted because I really wanted to be a bit more flexible and open, obviously still very much having those same vibes, the nostalgia and the, the memory of, of childhood favorite games and shows, but not in a way that was so direct that you would have to have watched these specific series to understand what's going on, or like to be unappealing if you haven't watched a particular one or or anything like that. So it very much kind of grew outwards and became more open as the project went on. And I, at a couple of times, I, I had to sort of force myself to do that because the original idea was so focused on basically just what I wanted to do for myself and, and in my <laughs> own groups. And it still very much is is that. I think really Animon's story exists today because I wanted to play it. But along the way, it did get a little bit more accessible, I, I hope, to people who aren't actually <laughs> just me. Uh.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's I definitely have. Uh friends that I've sent it to are are really excited about it because of just how it's built and one of the things that I see brought up the most about Animon is how interesting it is that you're playing as two different intelligent characters, mm. the, the kid and the Animon. So how how did that come about? Yeah, that's another area I'd
1: say where there was a lot of um a lot of development time went into just literally thinking about how this works well and and how it could work um because you're right it, it's it's unusual for role-playing games to put um two characters in your control and also it quite possibly unusual for good reasons because it could potentially be quite overwhelming i mean if you thought about playing a game as um as kind of complex as dnd or something like that you wouldn't want to be micromanaging two D and D characters at the same time, certainly not. Um but it really was important to this, obviously. And I thought there was no point in making this such a laser focused game if the Animon or the monsters ended up just as accessories to the characters, basically. Yeah. If they were just like abilities or, or anything like that. I really felt like the the only way that this could truly call itself a game about kids and monsters is if they are both characters so it it took quite a long time to find the balance and i realized fairly early on that a lot of it actually comes down to the preference of the individual players and groups in many ways in terms of how that role-playing happens Mm -hmm. for example i've played with various groups during playtesting and and all sorts some people prefer to refer to all of their characters in the third person. Some people prefer to kind of center themselves in the kid character and, and then kind of refer to the animon in third person, for example. There's all sorts of ways um, that people engage with that. So mechanically, I tried to make sure that the game was supportive of of any particular preference and then make sure that there was advice for groups starting to play kind of guiding you towards those conversations like uh, in the book it would um it would say for example you should have a chat about this basically find out who likes to role play directly as a as a character who wants to take a step back and manage the two characters separately because it, it is very different between people yeah so ultimately i had to find that balance between letting people kind of choose what they prefer to do, but equally not just absolving the game of all responsibility to kind of guide (laughs) you to to those conversations. Um.
0: One of the Game Master pieces of advice that I really like in Anamon comes down to role-play between the kid who uh, it really feels might be your Mm. um, more your central focus, I should say, of the character you're really controlling a lot of. Yeah, And having those talks with the Game Master about how your kid and your animon interact because it's kind of awkward if one player is talking to themselves yeah. uh, about something happening around in world. So that little section in that game gave me so many little ideas for how my friends or players would play Animon or what they would do or what the Animon knows versus what the kid knows. It's mm. the game master section of this book is incredibly well written.
1: Well, thank you very much. Uh, that's that's brilliant to hear because I was um, thinking during the writing of it that it, it has to be spot on because of the, the way that the game kind of wants players to manage their characters or wants to encourage players to manage their characters between player and GM. Mm-hmm. And whilst it, it doesn't go quite so far down a narrative route as to say have had by the apocalypse style rules it is very much built around character driven stories and so there's i really needed there to be um, loads of support for game masters and players and encourage people to have those conversations whether it's in character or out of character about how things are going with the character stories and who should be sort of playing who at different times, uh, in the early stages, I I had it in the rules that the game master always spoke for the animon and always can sort of controlled the animon. Um, but I realised that 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 didn't really allow for the kind of connection um, that I wanted uh, for the players to have to both the kid characters and the animon characters. So, as you say. The kid characters are still kind of the central characters in a way, because I wanted Anemon's story to be able to fulfill that fantasy of having a Pokemon companion or having a a monster companion that's your friend, essentially. So, but also allow the Anemon to be a character in and of itself and have conversations and develop in their own way and
0: um, be distinct as well. Yeah. And you're the character builder really, it really emphasizes that too. And during that, actually that little bit there, you mentioned that it is certainly narrative and character driven. One of the things I wanted to bring up because I think it is one of the coolest resource systems in tabletop games is bond points and the bond break episode systems there. Mm. Um, They, yeah, they really push the story naturally. Because if you're expending all your energy, there's going to be conflict. How did you go about making sure that that worked without, how would I put it, uh, without happening every single game? Well, I'm I'm glad to hear you uh, like that, because uh, it's funny,
1: at the beginning of designing, as I said, when this was a four-page document, the thing about Bond Break episodes, which maybe I should just sort of... Yeah, maybe we should clarify that. Mm. Moments in the game uh, and the story where there is a conflict between the kid and the animon, between the partners, where there is um, a kind of breakdown of the bond between kid and animon, And there's a trial, a challenge. They have to overcome these kind of uh, emotional conflicts and ultimately reforge that bond stronger than it was before. Um, that's the idea. And those things happen many times in these sorts of stories, you know, in, in yeah. Digimon in particular, I don't know if you're familiar with that kind of franchise. Oh,
0: but... I love Digimon. Oh, well, I've that's great. Cyber well, you, I'm sure so. you, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm I'm sure you would um, recognize moments in Digimon stories, for example, where there is oh, like yeah. a dark uh, Digivolution the monsters turn into horrific forms, they lose their minds, they go crazy, often because their partnership with their, their kid partner has gone a bit wrong somehow. And as you say, I, I don't want to force people into the, to making this happen all the time, but I do want to make it quite profound and core elements of the ongoing story development, and so, yeah, as I was saying, when this was a four page document, Bond Break episodes were, I think, a tiny paragraph that was basically a, an addendum. It was like, oh, yeah, you could do this if the game goes on long enough, because that sounds pretty cool and it happens in Digimon. But I realized more and more that they, they really are crucial moments, almost the 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 kind of keystone moments of character development stories in this kind of uh, genre. So they only happen when you meet those certain criteria, as you said, when the bond points are getting low, when you've expended those points, really representing you pushing that partnership, pushing the bond of friendship to the limits to, to achieve great things possibly, but also Risking, straining that relationship, and that can have unfortunate side effects. There is some example in the books, like you know, maybe the kid and the animon they're training for battle, but the kid pushes the animon too hard and something goes wrong, or maybe the animon gets injured in in a fight, and the kid doesn't want them to fight anymore ever because they're worried about that sort of thing happening. These moments that. They have to overcome together, ultimately, but do potentially drive uh, them apart slightly for for a time. So they only happen when those when the bond points get low and the strain builds up, which was designed to to only happen, you know, fairly infrequently. But then when they do happen and you play them out, you are suddenly boosted. You get a bunch of XP. Um, you learn from those mistakes. And you very much kind of then, uh, as I see it, move on to the next stage of your development, the next stage of your story as you're as you're going on. So that
0: was very much the idea with that. One of the most fun things about that, to me too, is the fact that it is two characters you're controlling that are at odds. So mm. balancing that's super fun in my opinion. But I'm I'm a role play heavy character. Yeah. In, in most of my games, so I think that idea is just. Incredible. Yeah, and uh, this
1: is interesting in terms of the conversation we had before about who controls which characters. When does the GM step in and take over the role of uh, of the animon? And in general, um, the game suggests if if the player wants their characters, the kid and the animon, to have a conversation between each other, then the GM might step in and play the role of the animon for that conversation. The bond break episode is the only time in the game where that is enforced. Um when the bond break happens, the game master takes control of the animon because they 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 are currently not responding to the kid directly as they normally do. And so that allows you to really play out that that kind of separation uh and that conflict. Um, in a natural way, but at the same time, before the bond break episode happens, before you play this out in the story, the game encourages you, player and GM, to talk about what's going to happen uh, and how they each think uh, that particular conflict might play out with those characters. So it's not about taking agency away from the player uh, in terms of what's happening to their their characters in the story. But it does also create. Well, as I said, it's the only time the game enforces the the player to not actually be playing their animon, so it, it feels quite distinct. That, that was the idea, anyway. And it, and it really does, which is incredibly cool to me. So. Oh, that's great. I'm I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's also to to um, to sort of expand on it a little bit it's it's interesting because it only really happens when you have played multiple sessions so you're unlikely to to hit this if you're playing a one shot or something but if you start developing the characters over multiple sessions and multiple adventures then unless you're basically not spending the points at all um the bond points <laughs> you're likely to have this happen at some point <laughs> you know so yes it's, exactly it's um it's, it's out there waiting for you in the story as it, as it develops. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's take a small back away from Animon directly. Let's go back to talking about you. Uh, You mentioned you worked on a couple of different things as a freelance writer. How was that? Well, it was,
1: uh, it was fantastic. I, I had my first freelance work, gosh, uh, 2016 so yeah five years ago now um, oh wow
0: congratulations
1: yeah, well thanks yeah it, it was it was pretty uh, spectacular the, this idea I'd just come out of university at the time and <laughs> wasn't not feeling great uh, about the the course that I had uh, come out of <laughs> I got a good grade and and so on but right at the end essentially it was a science uh, degree um, okay right at the end realized that writing academic papers just made me very miserable (laughs) and reading them (laughs) wasn't much better either so i i realized that although that there was a lot of uh opportunities that i could still have from that that really writing is what i wanted to do but i didn't want to write uh, academic reports and so on and around that time i had the opportunity to write for a company called riverhorse which is a uk-based company um, okay. And they have various things going on. At the time, they were just developing a, a family role-playing game based on My Little Pony. Um, oh, okay, which was, uh, you know, quite a quite unusual in the space, um, both as a specifically family-oriented uh, game and one that draws uh, from an existing property for kids essentially like was certainly yeah. directed at kids and so that was something I was quite interested in because I, I'm generally interested in properties that are are uh, you know aimed at kids or families I, I quite like the the challenge of creating a compelling narrative but one that's also accessible for younger audiences and and well I, I think that comes sort of interplay with Animon's story as well, to a certain extent. But yeah. this was um, probably even more so.
0: Now, is this Tales Tales of Equestria from River Horse? It is. Yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't uh, oh, mention okay. the name. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Tales of Equestria. That was it.
0: Yeah. I, all I know about that game is that apparently it's very well designed.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great game. I didn't have any hand in designing it. I'll just say right up uh, front, but. Um, it's a really great game, very accessible, um, and it, it's quite rich and full of fantasy and magic and, and all sorts. So, you know, f- personally, I, it's a great inspiration for me in a game design sort of uh, uh, angle, as well as the way it's written and to be accessible for people of all ages. So, that was my first uh, writing job. I wrote an adventure module called Curse of the Statuettes um, for the Tales of Equestria, uh, game line. And I got it because I, I just emailed them. I said, listen, I, I haven't done any professional RPG writing before, but I think I could do a good job and I'd really like the opportunity. Um, and well, for one reason or another, they, they came back and said they like to hear a pitch. Um, and from, from there I ended up writing the adventure, and uh and several more after that and I, i'm still writing for River Horse to this day which is great um that's so cool at, at the time the idea that i could write you know creative writing and get a bit of money for it and have it published uh in a game line and stuff that was absolutely um thrilling um and really really enjoyed doing that
0: yeah that's that's really cool <laughs> So I wanted to kind of get back on to something that you wrote recently, and I think it might be my favorite character book in, or playbook in Animon, and that's the Shudderbug. Obviously, this one was, yeah, I love the Shudderbug. I think it's such a fun archetype for for the kids. Um, Obviously, this was inspired by New Pokemon Snap, I assume. Yes, which I was playing (laughs) until we started recording. (laughs) Yes. um, Uh, Indeed. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, just came out. um yeah it came out yesterday didn't it it did yeah so i i uh i, I released this shutterbug uh, for pokemon snap uh, for for animon story at the same time as pokemon snap released um and uh well i'm glad to hear that you like it it, it started off as a bit of a joke idea in my mind but um <laughs> ended up developing out to be sort of on the same level as the other kid types and hopefully something that um you know if if that idea captures a, a player in particular then yeah i, I hope that it's a, a good option for the game
0: yeah yeah so that actually leads into something that i know a lot of people are always interested with indie designed games and that is continued support for it do you plan mm-hmm. on doing other stuff anytime soon or are you just going to take a bit of a break and move on with what you're doing right now i'm uh definitely
1: planning to do more yeah well um, i'm 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 happy to say that much. (laughs) Um, I'm already thinking about other things that could be made for Animon's story as well. I I really want to support it. I mean, it's had an absolutely fantastic reception from people. Everyone has been very, um, very kind uh, and positive about the game, uh, which is very encouraging. So I'm I'm delighted to, to sort of be able to think to myself, oh, great. Well." people might also be interested in some follow-up support for the game which is definitely something i'm interested in doing i also am starting to think about future projects future games that i might um want to to develop to the same level um and really i suppose i have taken a, a little bit of a a step back uh, since the release uh, of animon story last week just to kind of go well, reassess what um what I wanna be doing next. Um but overall the support has been so amazing that yeah, there's no way I'm gonna um leave it as just a
0: one time thing to be honest. <laughs> That's I'm so happy to hear that. One thing that I think is really important, especially with indie developed games right now, is the, the current global pandemic that we're still going through. Mm how did covid-19 affect the development of anamon well it um it's a it's a bit of a uh
1: a strange one um because in some ways if if i hadn't have had um kind of the time basically through the through the pandemic i ended up being followed from my day job for uh, a while yeah and that was the time when I started to look at Animon's story again and started to think about developing it on. Um, so it's been an absolutely tragic uh, time, uh, obviously, and and incredibly difficult. And I think, to be quite honest, Animon's story uh, has really helped me get through it because it's been... Something that focused my mind and something that inspired me to keep working on it. I, I, I spent plenty of those those days at home writing, you know, nonstop, just hour on hour because it was something to focus my mind on and, well, just to to take my mind off everything else that was going on, I suppose, at the time. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So I, it's been a... a a blessing in in many ways um the game i mean um not the pandemic mm. <laughs> um yeah it really helped me and i i think well obviously we're we're not out of uh out of the uh woods yet in terms of of covid but it's it's quite a special thing to to have brought the game so far and been able to release it um Uh, at least as well certainly um, in the UK sort of we've got our vaccines going around which is uh, which is great and so there's some there's some positive thing thinking going on and to be able to release uh, Animon's story as well and to start sort of thinking about the future at the same time is yeah quite quite special and as I said really helped me get through uh
0: what has been a very difficult year um yeah yeah i've gotten to hear that a lot from pretty much everybody who's come on to schedule for Mm. launch and i've said it to them too but i think that when we see these tabletop role-playing games and the accessibility that they have for online play and connecting people they're really important to to keeping people grounded and socialized absolutely and feeling not alone i think is one of the best ways to put it yeah i
1: i mean that that's totally um totally agree with that i i would have been entirely separated from pretty much all my friends if i hadn't been regularly connecting with groups online to play uh, to play role-playing games. And, um, obviously, uh, I've, I've taken the time uh, in, in the, the lockdowns to chat with friends online, not, not necessarily always playing games, but yeah, they are all people who I met through role-playing games primarily. Um, and that's, that's simply why we have such a strong online connection because, you know, everyone's moved around from time to time. Um, but having those links during this past year has been, uh, well, um, uh, I think, figuratively for me, a lifesaver. But I, I've no doubt, literally a lifesaver for, for some, which is, yeah, very, um, very significant. Yeah, and and brilliant, obviously.
0: Well, Zach, we're starting to run low on time here. Uh, I got one more question for you, and this is we... one that's going to be asked to everybody on this show. Uh, What advice can you give to people who are wanting to make their own game, but they've never really done it before? Mm. Well, I will,
1: I'll give some very specific (laughs) advice, um, (laughs) which is uh, specific, mainly because it's the specific thing that I struggle with the most in designing this game from scratch. As I said, I've, I've written um, modules and supplements and all that sort of stuff for quite a while. Uh, but this was the first time developing a game system. And so for anyone else who is struggling to develop the system, maybe mechanically, maybe they're thinking about, oh, well, where do I start? What dice do I use? What sort of numbers are supposed to go on the character sheet? Um, Mm -hmm. I I would say really um, try and look at uh, games that you like. Look at... um, games that uh that are interesting to you and look at their mechanics and i would say more specifically gradually try to refine uh from whatever games you like whatever you have on your shelf gradually refine to maybe i don't know two or three games that have particular mechanical things that somehow speak to you or somehow appear relevant to whatever you're trying to to make what matches the narrative elements or the, the the gameplay elements that you want to include in your game, um, and then, uh, I mean, no no one is saying that you have to reinvent the wheel every time you create a game system. You know, there, there's there's some brilliant um, mechanics out there. Many of them have uh, you know open game license and so on like that. And even if you do end up creating something original, they're brilliant places to start. Um, from there you can go on and and read all sorts about um you know probabilities and all that kind of thing but (laughs) specifically for me i found looking at a blank page and going well how do i make a dice mechanic (laughs) very daunting (laughs) and it was really only after narrowing down what i liked about other games and their mechanics that i that i was able to come up with something that really fit what i was trying to do so that's a little bit rambly. I don't know if that'll actually be helpful
0: for anyone, but... No, I um, think that's super helpful, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. All right, so where can people find you, Zach, if they're looking to find some of your socials or Anemon? Absolutely. Um, the main place to go,
1: I'd always say, would be uh, my Twitter profile, at Zach, Z-A-K-B-3. I've got Animon story in my name on Twitter and will do for a long time, I suspect. So you should be able to spot me. Um, uh, that's where I, I engage um, generally most. And that has links to all the other sorts of stuff I'm doing. Um, you can also go to com, which will link you to everywhere you need to, to go to find uh, stuff about the game. So between those two places, uh, you should be able to get, um, get
0: whatever you need to go. Yeah. Go buy this game that's what i'm going to say. go buy this game and give them the extra five dollars <laughs> well that would be, that would be
1: fantastic yeah every uh every purchase makes the uh the next uh, you know Animon story uh content in the works uh makes it a little bit better allows me to get a bit more art and so uh, the art particularly um was uh, is a big thing that I really want to to keep. It's um, doing so much and, fun. I love everything. Putting in loads of great animal into the into the <laughs> products. I'll also plug um, uh, Chris Caesar, who's the artist for the uh, for almost all of the internal artwork. Um, of oh Caesar. yes, of course. So yeah, go check them out as well. They're 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 brilliant. But yeah, um, throw me a few quid on Animal
0: Story, and I'll be able to get some more great art for future products. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> As always, the links for Animon and for Zach's Twitter will be down in the descriptions below. Zach, thank you so much for coming on to to schedule for launch.
1: My pleasure. It's been uh, absolutely great. Thanks for chatting to me and fueling
0: my ego a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, audience, for listening. I hope you take care and have a good night. Thank you so much to Zach for coming on to the show again. He really is an incredibly nice guy, and he's designed something that's really cool. I think you should really go check it out. But thank you again, listeners, because recent feedback and reception of the show has been incredibly moving, and I'm truly at a loss for words on what to say to you all. I mentioned in the last one that we're getting close to the 10th episode, and we've nearly jumped up to 200 downloads, which happened way faster than I anticipated or really could have even expected all those months back. June is going to be a filled month, so don't be surprised if there are weekly uploads just to accommodate some of the amazing projects that are coming out then. Once again, thank you so much for listening.